my God. You are so, so good, and we can't say it enough. I just thank you for this opportunity. I pray that you would speak through me tonight. Even if my voice shakes, Lord, I pray that people would know your name and that you'd be glorified. And Lord, that if anybody is here tonight that doesn't know you, God, that there would be salvation in this house tonight. And anybody listening, whether it's on the internet, the podcast, wherever, Lord, even in the future, I pray that you would pierce hearts, that your Holy Spirit would speak through me right now, Lord. I know it's not my words, Lord, but yours. And I just pray that you be glorified. And I love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. So when Kathy asked me to teach this study, I was filled with gratitude that the Lord would even want to use me. <laughs> And I'm sure many of you have asked that question, like, why me, Lord? Um, and I was asked it a lot. So, um, and I was also very overwhelmed and scared. Um, and then when Kathy gave me the direction of the message, I was left breathless. Um, and Kathy probably remembers I couldn't even utter a word. And so she's probably thinking, my goodness, I'm asking this girl, and she can't even respond to me right now. <laughs> but really, that was because I felt the presence of the Lord, his great holiness, and his great power. And I know that was the Lord just working on my heart and showing the seriousness of this message and the responsibility of this message. And right on cue, here comes Satan, <laughs> telling me that I'm unworthy, that I'm too messed up, I'm broken, I'm unqualified, had all these doubts just filling my head. Physically, my body has not been in the best of shape, so I'm just like, why? Why me, Lord? Um, but seriously, the next day, after Kathy asked me, the very next day, God is just so good. I reached for my phone to listen to a podcast that I regularly listen to. It wasn't like a random thing that I came across, but I regularly listen to it. And what do you know? The exact topic that she gave me was the very topic uploaded that very day. And within like, not even that day, it was like within minutes of me looking at it. <laughs> so... The Lord knew, and the Lord knew I needed that encouragement because of all those doubts I was having, um, that I needed that confirmation that the Lord's hand was in this and that he did want to use me. Um, and today we're going to go over what you can confidently say is the most critical message we will hear within the Word of God. And that is on the topic of the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit which is also known as the unpardonable sin or the unforgivable sin. Now, we know our God is full of love and grace, um, but there is a sin where the Lord, he draws a line for us. And that sin, if we commit it, it leads to eternal judgment and utter destruction. 
it leads to a life apart from the Lord. And that scares me. (laughs) And it should scare all of us. Um, So we've been hearing about the miraculous power in which the Spirit works. Um, But today we're going to hear about the rejection of that very Spirit. When humans decide they don't want to hear from the Spirit of God or the Holy Ghost. And again, condemnation comes with that stance. Matthew twelve thirty one says, Therefore I say to you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven men. So when you read this, I mean, one might be filled with fear, wondering, have I myself committed this sin, this unpardonable sin? You might wonder, have I ever said something that blasphemes the Holy Spirit? Is it something that is specifically said aloud? Or is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit a position of our hearts? The good news to those who fear they have committed this sin or have concern over their sin is that it shows you have not committed the sin because it is a willful rejection of God. This blasphemy speaks of the slanderous, hard-hearted rejection of Christ that persists until death. In Matthew 5, 4, Jesus says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now, earlier, early in my walk, I would read this verse and I'd be kind of confused. Like, how is it a blessing to mourn over somebody or something? But that's not what this verse means. This verse is referring to the grief that we have over our sin over the fall of man, and over the condition of the world. When the Holy Spirit reveals our sin to us and convicts our hearts, we are grieved. But then we are comforted because of what Jesus did for us. And that sorrow can be turned into hope. In contrast to the person who mourns over their sin, we hear about the person in Psalm 10.4. It speaks of The wicked, in his proud countenance, does not seek God, and God is in none of his thoughts. So today we're going to look at an actual example of the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit being committed in Scripture. And we have a really clear example where Jesus calls out the scribes, um, and they're committing this deadly sin. You can find it written in Matthew and Mark, but today we're going to look at it from Mark's account. So if you want to turn to Mark, we're going to be looking at chapter 3, verses 20 to 30. Okay, so just a little bit of background. Um, During this time, Jesus was gathering his disciples. He was performing miracles. He was healing people. He was casting out demons. And so, of course, by this time, it said he had a multitude gathering. And this was not just the local people in that town, in that city where he was. He was in Capernaum at this time. Uh, This included people from all over Israel. I looked back, if you look back at the previous verses in chapter 3, 
um, seven verses seven and eight, we hear that they followed Jesus from Jerusalem, from Idumea, from Tyre, from Sidon. Um, and so within this multitude, we start to have people gathering around, people who become believers, people who, um, who are on the fence, people who are trying to figure out who is, who is this Jesus. Um, and then, of course, we have the people who completely deny him, and they're angered by his very existence. Um, so we have all these this different types of people there. Um, so let's look at verse 20, and we'll get started on the text. Verse 20 says, Then the multitude came together again, so that they could not, not so much as eat bread. This scripture convicted me. I'm like, they were so busy. They were doing the work of the Father. They didn't even have time to eat. Um, Jesus was more concerned about the salvation of souls than his, his own life, his own earthly needs. Um, and these details that are given to us should cause us to reflect on our own priorities. I know me, I'm, you know, sometimes I get caught up and I'm worried about, well, what am I going to eat today over ministry over putting my kids first or whatever it is um we have all these worries that can fill our mind um about our earthly needs and it's easy it's easy to give in to fear i know even just not basic day-to-day things but we could be looking at the future i mean i read the news and it's crazy right now i just it's so difficult not to become overcome with fear especially when I think about my kids and I mean the reality of what we're seeing right now, um, the possibility of economic collapse, the possibility of real food shortages like that we've never seen before. Um, it can fill me with anxiety. But that's exactly what Satan wants. He wants us distracted from the work of the Father. I can toil day and night. I can go buy 50 chickens. I could go garden until my hands bleed. I can build an underground bunker. I mean, I I could get that crazy. Um, But at the end of the day, we're to deny our flesh and dedicate our lives to kingdom work. We all know in Matthew 20, Matthew, excuse me, Matthew 9, 37, when Jesus said to his disciples, The harvest is plenty, and the laborers are few. And I know I'm sensing it, but as we sense Jesus' judgment of the earth, and ultimately his probably very soon return, um, we should be more concerned with the saving of souls, just like Jesus was. Um, With our friends, with our family, with our neighbors. The Lord has got us in all the other areas. Um... So let our minds not be occupied with the hardships that maybe are already here or or may come. I'm one of those, like, look-to-the-future kind of worrier, um, but that's not what my mind is to be occupied with. And this part of the studies for me, just (laughs) to let you know, but (laughs) I always, I should read daily or should come back to this verse daily, um, or regularly at least. Um, Matthew 6, Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 to 27. 
and this is a quick turn to it. I'll go back to Mark. Um, It says, Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature one day to your life? We can't. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, thankfully my boys have these verses memorized in song, and they, like, sing it all the time, and so I need it. (laughs) I need them to sing that for me every day. Um, But let's continue. Verse 21. It says... But when his own people heard about this, they went out to lay hold of him, for they said, he is out of his mind. And the New Living Translation reads, when his family heard of this. So sadly, this verse tells us that Jesus' own family claimed he was out of his mind, that he was crazy or maybe even insane. Um, In the book of John... Chapter 7, verse 5, it says, For even his brothers did not believe in him. So this scene is probably pretty hectic. Again, we know there's a large crowd. Maybe his family is embarrassed. They probably don't want shame being brought upon their family. Um, They're trying to remove Jesus from doing the work of the Father. They're probably maybe encouraging him to stop, take a break, eat some food. Um, But as we know, he was not concerned with his human needs. And they might even be worried that he would work himself to death. So at this point in Jesus's life, his family was not very supportive of his ministry. And thankfully, we do find later in scripture that they did come to know him and that they came together in one accord and in prayer with, the, with his mother um, and all his brothers. So we know that post-crucifixion, post-ascension, the family of Jesus does come in fact to come to serve him. Um, so that's the good news. <laughs> Verse 22, it says, And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem said, He has Beelzebub, and by the ruler of the demons, he casts out demons. Wow. <laughs> so... These teachers of religious law are now claiming that Jesus is possessed by Satan. And what I found interesting is they didn't deny that he performed the miracle. They only denied the power in which he did it. Um, Now, they denied that it was not by the power of God or not by the power of the Holy Spirit. Beelzebub, by the way, because I was like, who's this Beelzebub guy? (laughs) By the way... He's a Greek word for the ruler of the demons, which originates from a Philistine deity. So that's just kind of a little side note. Got me cur- I know his name got me curious. Um, so this whole interaction is really critical when we want to know about the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. So they said this. They said this about Jesus. They said he's possessed by a demon or he's doing this by the power of a demon. But I want you to skip down really quick, and we'll come back 
to 20, verse 29 and 30, chapter 3, verse 29 and 30. Because this is why Jesus brought up the unpardonable sin at this moment. Verse 29 and 30 says, But he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is subject to eternal condemnation. Because they said he has an unclean spirit. I, I would just underline because. It, the, the, he brought up this sin at this moment because they said he has an unclean spirit. Um, so his, he brought up this sin at this time. It was a direct response to those who had just witnessed Jesus perform a miracle and then claimed he had an unclean spirit. The scribes denied the Holy Spirit was working through Jesus, revealing his power, revealing his deity. So ultimately, they were denying Jesus. This notes that their subjection to eternal condemnation was because they said he has an unclean spirit. Now, we know that the scribes were wrong. Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit, and that's how he cast out this demon. Only by the Spirit of God can demons be cast out. So it is the Holy Spirit that they were blaspheming. In Luke chapter 4, verse 17 to 21, this is a really cool scene and fulfillment of prophecy. Um, he, Jesus was in the temple, and they handed him a scroll to read. And it's no coincidence what scroll they handed him, uh, because the scroll said this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to oppress to the excuse me, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And I'll kind of paraphrase the rest. After he read it, he rolled it up and dropped the mic. No, just kidding. He he rolled it up and then he said, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing today. Imagine being there. I just, I'm like blown away. I, I can't even imagine the people there. I know some people were angry. Um, but for the people that the Holy Spirit spoke to and they believed, like imagine that moment. It's just probably so beautiful. Um, so this was all speaking to the fact that this was, this was prophetic. It was, he, was re he was fulfilling the prophecy. Um, and again, it's a reminder that Jesus was filled with what? With the Spirit of the Lord. Um, we've heard, we hear terrible things. We've heard, we hear terrible things spoken about our Lord, about Jesus. We, and even while Jesus was on the cross, the soldiers mocked him. They, in a sarcastic way, called him the King of the Jews. They spat on him, they tortured him, and they ultimately, they murdered him. <clears throat> Yet in this case, they were blaspheming the Son of Man, not the Holy Spirit. That even while on the cross, Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them. 
Matthew 12, 32 says, Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him, either in this age or in the age to come. So these people were able to see and witness some of the most amazing works of God, including the scribes, and yet they did not believe, they did not put their trust in Christ. They did not believe. Their pride told them that they knew better. They attributed the work of Jesus to Satan. And I like what Matthew Henry, well, I don't like it, but Matthew Henry said, if they persisted in it, it would be of fatal consequence to them. It would be found a sin against the last remedy and consequently unpardonable. So if someone were to ask these Pharisees who Jesus is, or who he is, um, they would have said a crazy man, a possessed man, a false prophet. I could probably list a bunch of names. But this is unlike what we hear from Peter. In Luke 9.20, he said to them, Jesus said to them, the disciples, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered and said, the Christ of God. And that's what the, the Holy Spirit revealed that to Peter. And he could be revealing that to you today. And the same question is asked of us. Who do we say that Jesus is? At some point, we all come to a fork in the road and we have to decide if we're going to heed the Spirit or if we're going to listen to what Satan says. Whose way are we going to go? 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So the Pharisees didn't see Jesus for who he was, because they did not heed the Spirit. And so you might ask, did these scribes commit the unpardonable sin? At this point in their lives, yes. And now hopefully some of them changed their mind. We don't know. Maybe some did. We can probably assume that, that many did not. And as Matthew Henry said, if they persisted in this belief, it was not going to be a good outcome for them. They would spend eternity in hell. And the, the rules haven't changed. So it's harsh, but it's true. And, um, but the, the thing that I found amazing and great and shows God's grace is that Jesus was warning them. He gave them, he gave them a chance. He was clearly warning them and calling them out for this sin. He was informing them of their fatal error. Let's continue in verse 23. So he called them to himself and said to them in parables, How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. Oh, let me continue. And if Satan has risen up against itself and is divided, he cannot stand, but has an end. So in this, these verses, Jesus is reasoning with the scribes. He says, 
this doesn't make any sense. Their claim is absurd. Like, why would Beelzebub, or Satan, cast out his own armies? Why would Satan act so directly against his own interests? The scribes gave a weak rationale. And for those of us who believe, the, the scribes sound silly. But for those of us who continue to be deceived, and who, those whose eyes are veiled, this sounds like a possibility. Why? Because, one, it doesn't require anything of you. You can just write Jesus off as a crazy man. Like, I know many family members who do that to, to believers. Um, I'm sure you all have heard all sorts of things from family or friends and people saying that we're in a cult. I once was at a Christmas dinner, ironically, and my boss said, if you believe in God, you believe in a fairy tale. Um, believers are uneducated. Um, there's a list, a huge list of things, but um, some of us have even been completely cut off from family. Um, we don't, we don't see them. We don't hear from them because, and it's a, this is a direct result of our faith in Christ. Um, but this is what Satan does. He tries to discredit Christ and his people so that others don't come to the saving knowledge of Christ. And Satan was using these scribes to attempt to discredit him. He walked the earth perfectly. And unfortunately, their opinion would have some influence upon the people. Because it said they, they came down from Jerusalem. And they had probably, like I said, they had some authority in the community. Um, if I remind you, what verse 22 said was that they came down from Jerusalem. So during this time, Jesus was in Capernaum, which I had to Google, and it was kind of hard to get a straight answer because they, some of you, they want to give you like the walking path and the driving path and all that. So it's, I think it's about 85 miles, but um, it, it, even if it's not exactly 85, it was far. <laughs> okay, so. <laughs> so these scribes, they traveled quite the distance to question Jesus, to confront Jesus, to get in his face, to harass him. Okay, and, and like I said, they would certainly influence the other scribes in the country because the scribes from Jerusalem were kind of like the head honchos and they would go and, and teach the other, place, other scribes in the other places. Um, so we see this is Satan, and he still does this now. He's going out of his way, way out of his way, to disturb the work of God. And in these days, I know it's always been bad, guys, but I just know Satan is in hyperdrive. I think because he knows he's running out of time. And he's walking around, and he's creating confusion and filling our minds with lies. And I think of the youth today. Some of you know I taught in an actually public school classroom. I'm now just home with my kids. But um, in my 10 years, or it's probably more than 10 years, but 10 years that I was in the public school system, I mean... I saw a lot of things that were just heartbreaking. I mean, I've had kids who, you know, are female this year, 
next year male. Um, I had a girl once tell me that she's a, um, the daughter of Satan. And it broke my heart. You see their, the pain in their eyes. The confusion. <laughs> and they don't know left from right. They don't know up from down. They don't know boy from girl. They really don't. And so Satan is just attacking our youth from all angles. He's in our schools. He's in our media that our kids consume, whether that's YouTube, Disney, sorry guys, Netflix, social media, music, gaming. It's, it's, they're bombarded, bombarded 24-7, 24-7. And things, you know, there's little lies hidden within all these things, little lies that might seem benign, but it's a cancer. It, it turns malignant. And these little lies turn into major confusion. And they, have, they can have huge lifelong consequences, those little lies, those things that we might have been kind of like, eh, not worried about it. And because we know all it takes is this little bit of doubt little bit of doubt for a person to deny Jesus and the gift of salvation that he has to offer. And it starts as a wee little child. <clears throat> My family enjoys watching documentaries like National Geographic, PBS, History Channel. But as we watch these programs, we're always left in disappointment. Disappointment that our creator, the ruler of the universe, the one true God, is never given credit. Never. It's similar to how the scribes gave, the cre gave credit for Jesus' supernatural power to, to Satan. We hear that the universe and the world came from a big bang. We hear that Mother Nature gives us our weather. We hear that dinosaurs evolved into birds. We hear that all of creation can be traced back to a single-celled nothing of an organism that evolved into all the complex, beautiful, multicellular organisms that we see today. So it's just, I felt the need to just remind, I don't know, I know I need it just to be careful um, with our kids, with our grandkids, um, because these little lies sold to us as facts exist to create confusion and discredit the word of our Lord. And like the people of Israel looked up to the officials, the authorities, the scribes, the educated to inform themselves, people of today, we still do the same thing. We look up to celebrities, politicians, the scholars, I say scholars in quotes, um, the news for our opinions and our beliefs. But besides looking to like external figures, we look also, they, they also look to us, followers of Jesus. And Satan is so good at using our failures, our weaknesses, to discredit the Lord and his word. So 
just have to constantly ask ourselves, are we living the blameless life or do we give people any reason to discredit God's word or to write Jesus off as a crazy person? And it doesn't take much. So, ladies, I just encourage you that we may let our light so shine <laughs> that there would be no doubt that we're filled with the Spirit of God and that our Lord would be glorified. Let's continue with verse 27. No one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man and then he will plunder his house. This is speaking of Christ coming into our hearts, taking over the filth, the things that fill it, the material things that we're into, the interests of this world, and converting us into the person that is dedicated to living a life of service to him. Our, I, I just think our Lord is so creative. I'm like, what a beautiful analogy. Let's continue, verse 28 to 30. Assuredly, I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the sons of men, and whatever blasphemies they may utter. But he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is subject to eternal condemnation, because they said he has an unclean spirit. So the scribes denied the power of the Holy Spirit, and if they denied his power in this moment, they would likely deny the power of the Holy Spirit to, that raised Jesus from the dead, and even at the, his ascension. At the end of the day, they, as a result of their pride, rejected the Lord's redemptive plan and were liable to eternal damnation. Now, the people who saw Jesus, saw his miracles, and heard him teach could miss it, that he's the Messiah. It's no surprise that in present time, so many are missing it. So I know I spent several years of my adult life turning from truth. My pride told me that I knew better, that the Lord couldn't possibly mean what he says in the Bible. I was just one of those people who thought, that the Lord couldn't send a good person to hell. I just was making up my own version of God in my head rather than actually reading the Bible and believing who God says he is. It's a really dangerous condition to be in. <clears throat> I was seeking out my own happiness, putting myself before anything else. I was motivated to reach this certain career and nothing else mattered. What God thought didn't matter. Pleasing him didn't matter. Seeking his will didn't matter. I was going to be what I wanted to be. But and the butts to God are always amazing. <laughs> I know that even in my wandering, 
that the Lord kept a hold of me, speaking to me. not giving up on me. And I know my family and probably many of you were praying for me. And I imagine as I walked around aimlessly, just looking for happiness and all the things of this world, that the Lord was just like gently holding the back of my shirt. Like, just like two fingers on the back of my shirt. (laughs) Just as you know how a parent holds the wobbly toddler, he kept a hold of me, and he never let me wander too far. He didn't allow me to make a decision that was irreversible. And that's, that's not me. That's God's grace. Because I know many people get to that point, and I'm... God was gracious towards me, and he didn't allow that. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) I know I could have done some damage. Um, But he gave me chance after chance, just like a parent gives that wobbly toddler chance after chance, not to let them fall off the cliff or down the stairs. He did that for me. many of us, all of us. (laughs) And he may be doing that for you right now. And I just, I plead with you, just let go of that pride and just seek him now before it's too late. I know he was gracious to me and he didn't let me go off too far, but Seek him now while there's a chance, while you still have breath, because we're not guaranteed any day, any minute, okay? One may not heed the Spirit for a period in their life, and yet our God is merciful, offering us forgiveness even when you once blasphemed the Holy Spirit. I've always been greatly encouraged when I read about the harlot Rahab in the Old Testament. I seriously, I I love her story. I could probably do a whole study on just her and what she she experienced. Um, This woman who was brought up in a pagan culture of the Amorites, and she was was marked, her, her path, she was brought up on a path that led to destruction, literally, like on earth destruction and eternal destruction. And Hebrews eleven thirty one says, By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe. And I like the words, by faith. <clears throat> by faith, Rahab joined God's people. She, Though she lived a life of immorality, being a harlot, She was offered a chance at redemption. And not only redemption, like God used her in the most amazing way. He helped, she helped the Israelites have triumph. She was even listed in the genealogy of Christ. Like, that can't get any more amazing. Like, if I was listed, (laughs) I'd be like, (sighs) like, can't get much better than that. Um, (laughs) So... If that doesn't tell you that God can take the outcasts of the world 
and make them into something beautiful, I don't know what will. He literally plucked her, just plucked her out from the path of destruction. All she needed was that little bit of faith, and the Lord just did the rest. Now, of course, she may have had some doubts. We know that she was a little shady, and she lied, and she kind of maybe was, you know, she was still a babe in Christ. Um, but she, she had fear of the Lord. Um, it said that she did. And in Psalm 11, excuse me, 111, 10, it says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So that fear wasn't a bad fear. It wasn't a bad thing. It was actually was a good thing for her. And so just like Rahab, we too can choose life and we will not perish. We can choose now to make peace with the Lord, just as she did. It's not too late. Now, for those of us who already believe, I just, I'm like, like I said earlier, why me? Like, why did God allow me to hear his voice? And I just think all of us who believe, it's like, we should be celebrating daily. Like, seriously, celebrating. (laughs) And just, we should be filled with joy. And I'm like, totally not listen. I don't listen to my own words. Um, And I'm like, (laughs) and I, um, a lot of times I'm not, I'm lacking joy. Um, but I'm just like, as I've studied and the Lord has really blessed me and just reminded me that like every day should be a celebration that I'm here and that he called me and that I heard his voice. (laughs) First Corinthians 2.12 says, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. So we sisters, we can rejoice, for the Lord has revealed himself to us. We can rejoice, for the scales have been removed from our eyes. Rejoice, just as the song says, we were blind and now we see. Rejoice for the blood of the Lamb and praise him daily. Rejoice for Galatians 4, 6-7 says, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So that's what I have for you ladies tonight, but I want to pray. And I couldn't give this message about the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit without offering the gift of salvation. Um, So if anybody's listening, anybody's here that would like to receive Christ, turn from your sin and you would like to receive the free gift. If the Spirit has been speaking to you, tugging at your heart, showing you who Jesus is, and he's the Messiah, um, then I'd like for you to just, we can just all bow our heads and I'll pray with you. You can repeat the sinner's prayer after me. Jesus, 
our Father in heaven, I admit to you that I am a sinner. I believe, Lord, that you died for me on the cross and that you rose again three days later. I want to live a life led by you. Forgive me, Father. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. May I walk all my days seeking your kingdom, glorifying you, praising you. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'll just pray um, one more prayer just for all of us. And if you did pray that prayer, I just encourage you to talk to one of us here or if you need prayer. um, I know there's many ladies here that would be happy to pray with you. Um, Or if you're listening online, reach out and we'll, we'll get you a Bible, whatever you need. Um, prayer, whatever it is, um, we can get that for you. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for getting me through tonight, Lord. I, I know that it was all you, Lord, and I just thank you for getting me through each and every line, each and every word, Lord. I pray for all the women here that today was some kind of encouragement to them, Lord, edification for them, Lord. I pray, Lord, many of us are weary. Many of us are growing fatigued. I pray that you would strengthen us, Lord. Give us courage. Lord, to walk all the days ahead of us, no matter what may come our way, that we would walk courageously, victoriously, Lord, with your power, with your Holy Spirit, guiding us all the way, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You're so good to us. Thank you for plucking us from the path of destruction, Lord. We're no better than the person next to us, and Lord, I ask why me, but Lord, I trust, trust you, and Lord, may we just serve you. May our time be filled with with serving you, that we wouldn't be distracted, Lord, as Satan wants us so distracted right now. Help us to live as wives, as daughters, as mothers, grandmothers, aunts, whatever our role is, friends. Help us that, Lord, our light would so shine that you would be glorified, that people would question us and wonder what's wrong with us. But Lord, nothing's wrong with us. We're just filled with your spirit, Lord. And Lord, I just pray for anybody that accepted you today, Lord, if, if they did, or even in the future, Lord, that they would be able to walk a life a life alongside you, Lord, and we would all rejoice. We would all be together in eternity one day, celebrating and serving and serving you and loving you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.